This episode of Matt Barnaby Unfiltered is brought to you by Sauce Hockey. We all know that hockey is more than just a game. It's a culture and a way of life. The best players carry that swagger off the ice and are definitely known to have a bit of fun in the process. Sauce Hockey is a full line of apparel that tells the hockey story from every level. Whether you're a savvy veteran that has been around the block or a local legend playing beer league with the boys, Sauce Hockey has the threads for you. Sauce has the sickest lids around to make your summer flow pop, and they've even got you covered in the polo department. Their t-shirts are softer than puppy ears and feature fresh designs that will definitely help your off-ice plus-minus if you catch my drift. To make matters even better, the beauties over at Sauce Hockey are giving us an exclusive 30% off with discount code MBUNFILTERED. You heard that right, 30% off with discount code MBUNFILTERED. So make sure to head over to saucehockey.com to get in one and take advantage of 30% off by using code MBUNFILTERED. That's S-A-U-C-E hockey.com. Code MBUNFILTERED. Thanks, boys. Thanks for that. And uh, we'll definitely be heading over there later. You're listening to Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. And Barnaby is loving this. No filter. You have no filter. <laughs> that's it's quite yeah. obvious. That's true. That's you a good thing. Just say whatever comes into your mind. Yeah. You don't really modulate your yeah. inner feelings at all. I'll yeah. Tell you. It's a good thing for me, but it's mm. a bad thing for water. So I kick this guy in the chest, and I look right at this guy. I go right at the guy that suckered me, and he kind of goes to throw a punch. I don't, to be honest, I don't even know if he hit me. I, I, all I want to do yeah. is get my hands on this guy, and I'm going to pummel him. So I grab him by the collar of his shirt, and I hit him as hard as I've ever hit anybody in my life, or a heavy bag, or anything right in the middle of the face and he drops and I wind up to hit him again because I'm pissed off. It was total overkill. I shouldn't have, but wind up to hit him again. All of a sudden I get tackled. So I figure it's one of the two guys that are his buddies. So I kind of roll with it and go to kind of like push off. And then as I kind of shove, I can see like police on the, on the vest. I'm like, Ooh, now here's Matthew Barnaby. Good afternoon, good day, good evening, depending on where you are. This is Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby, and I am your host, Matthew Barnaby, 14-year NHL veteran. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, MattBarnaby3636, or on Instagram, MattBarnaby3636. Real original, right? Uh, Just keeping it the same. 14 concussions, I don't need to change it up too much. I'll forget my login and even forget who I am, so... Just got back, just got back to Ottawa, just got back to Canada from Pittsburgh, was there for five days, uh, taping a CBS special, two actually, one with tough guys uh, that I played against and a couple that I played with, Aaron Asham, Brad May, Frankie LaRue, myself obviously, and uh, Zenon Kanopka. Uh, so yeah, that, that will be airing May 28th on CBS, uh, a poker night. And the second one was Penguins, former Penguins, uh, myself and Phil Bork, uh, Brian Trotche, seven Stanley Cup rings was there. My good friend, uh, Kevin Stevens was also there. That'll be airing, I believe it's June to 4th, June 4th, but, uh, I will let you know next week if that is not correct. And I will let you know either way. On my next podcast. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I can't tell you how it played out. Uh, you'll have to see on TV, but uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun seeing the guys and a couple cocktails, uh, lots of stories. Uh, 
some very average poker by me in the first game. I thought in the second I played pretty darn good. I played pretty darn good. Uh, today we'll talk playoffs. Boston moving on. Uh, they've been so dominant, so dominant. Carolina just didn't have an answer for the top line. The power play could not find a way to get to Tuka Rask, who's playing some of the best hockey I have ever, ever seen him play. Uh, he's really at the top of his game. They have a 10-day layoff uh, before the Stanley Cup final starts, but uh, man, have they been good. Every aspect of their game, their fourth line, their they're deep. I really love the additions uh, of Coyle and Johansson that Don Sweeney made at the trade deadline in bringing these guys in. Uh, they were looking at a guy like Stone, thought the price was too high, and for a rental did not want to pay that price. But those guys have filled in admirably, been so good. The young D, been so good uh, for that team. Look for Zidane O'Chara to be ready to play in Game 1. Did not play in Game 4, I believe it was just precautionary. Boston looks great. St. Louis, San Jose, game six. San Jose on the brink. Can they win another elimination game? They've been so good in them before. St. Louis has kind of taken over the series. We are seeing that Eric Carlson will not play in game six. Did not make the trip. As is the case for Tomas Hurtel. We'll have to see if uh, Pavelski plays. Hurdle has 10 goals. Carlson, 16 points, but isn't the same. He doesn't, he doesn't look at it there, especially defensively. He looks like he is laboring, so uh, could, could, could be done. Could be done for San Jose. But St. Louis and, and Jordan Bennington, uh, they have four lines rolling, 6-D rolling, very well coached by Craig Berube. I think they're going to really feel like they have a, a wounded animal uh, bleeding from absolutely everywhere. And look for them to attack. They are going to be like sharks in the water smelling blood. Because the injuries, being able to advance to your first Stanley Cup final since losing to Bobby Orr in 1970. The heroic goal, we all remember that. Actually, I have the picture right in front of me now as I'm doing this podcast. So, it's been a long time. And the St. Louis faithful have some great fans. It will be rocking. Will they be singing? Gloria, Gloria. We'll have to wait and see. But I think St. Louis does win this. I had them winning it in seven. Uh, but with the injuries to San Jose, the lack of scoring, only scoring one goal in the last two games, being able to score seven to one, I think St. Louis uh, takes it over. So we'll have to wait and see if that plays out. Then we'll make predictions for the Stanley Cup final. If that is the case, or does San Jose extend it to a seventh game? I uh, want to talk world championships. I don't watch a lot of world championships. It's not the best fucking players that go over there, so I'm not that interested. I never really watch. This year is kind of a, a little different for me. When you have two young kids that are going to go one or two in Jack Hughes for Team USA and Capocacco for Finland, uh, two totally different players, two, two guys that are so different in their development right now, Kako is just a, a monster and has had a really, really good tournament. Hughes has, has struggled to uh, contribute and he doesn't get the ice time that Kako gets. So, not that he has anything to prove. I, I think Hughes is going to be the better player long, longer term. He's so dynamic. He's so quick. Great edges. Great vision. 
watched him a lot play against my son this year in the USHL for Team USA. And let me tell you, he, he is such a bright prospect. On the smaller side, he's a, he's a... Will he be ready for the NHL at that size? I don't know. He will be forced into the lineup. But I, I, I'd love to be picking second. I'd rather be the New York Rangers right now. You take whoever you want, we'll take the other guy, and we'll be just happy. That way, it was almost like Taylor versus Tyler sitting at two in, in Boston. And they take Taylor Hall... And a guy like Tyler Sagan just falls into your lap. So I, I really think this is with Hughes and Kak, two totally different players. And one's really big, one's really slight. I think the more dynamic one is Jack Hughes. But certainly New Jersey and New York are going to get an absolute stud. I'm going to bring on a guy in a little bit, Shane Senny. I hope I'm saying it right. Uh... He's a guy that works at DeanBlundell.com and made me a bet. And part of my bet was in the Boston-Toronto series from round one, which Boston won in seven games. They won game six and game seven. It was $250. And uh, he also got a chance if, if, if he lost to come on the podcast. So I'm going to bring on Shane today and maybe just gloat a little bit. That's essentially what I'm going to do. And just gloat and... Call him a fucking homer for taking Toronto. They won seven games. They they had the opportunity. Obviously, didn't work out well for them. Um, but I won the bet, and I get to humiliate humiliate them. So that's that's just part of the deal. That's just part of the deal. My guest, my guest today, absolutely love this fucking beauty, Mike Commodore at Commie Twenty Two. Hilarious. I didn't know him when I played, but certainly getting to know him at events, and I see him a lot now uh, at different events. He's, he's a tremendous person, great storyteller, has so many stories, but he's fucking wild, man. He, his stories are, are just great, and he is he's as unfiltered as Matthew Barnaby, and anyone knows the, the Babcock uh, rants that he gets on Twitter Tells him to eat a piece of shit <laughs> and all, uh, anything that Mike Babcock does bad, th- this guy is just loving it. Just, just fucking loving it. And uh, like I said, he will give you the nitty gritty um, on Babs and uh, pretty well anything else you ask him. He's just that kind of guy, but uh, a funny guy, a really good guy, NHL veteran of 483 games, played a year in the KHL. Uh, but he's also a Twitter sensation, also part of uh, SauceHockey.com. And I have a special uh, later. Sauce Hockey is uh, a clothing apparel company for those that don't know, but we're going to have a special from Sauce. Uh, they are going to give us a discount code uh, later on in the show, and uh, they will be giving you some uh, some great rebates if you want to go on and spend from them. So that's going to be the show today. I'm I'm Again, the opens with with where we are and the limited teams that are playing, uh, this interview is going to be a lengthy one. It's going to be a funny one, and uh, can't wait to get to it. So without further ado, we're going to bring on my boy Shane, and, uh, and, and time to take him down a little bit. Time to mock him. That's what we do here on Matthew Barnaby Unfiltered. Also, uh, 
uh, writes on DeanBlundell.com under Suge McSween. So definitely go to the site. But we, we had to have the pigeon on. I'm calling you the pigeon a, a, <laughs> little, a little bit today. So what, what prompted you to take the bet once I, and for those that are out there that didn't hear earlier, uh, I said Boston was going to win the series. I can't remember who. I think I said six. And really fucking quickly, uh, Shane, you jumped on board. And I did. And I did. Is is there? A re- did you not watch them play Boston the last few years and seen the collapses? Fair enough. You might have caught me at uh, a moment there, but I got the old Twitter fingers uh, out pretty quick when I saw your tweet. So, um, you know, I thought they stood a good chance. They showed up, played a good series, but um, you know, it just seems like it's the same old story again. Yeah, Bonds, I don't get it. So, so the bet was two fifty, and true to yourself, fast pay makes fast friends. By the way, and that, okay, okay. that certainly was. As soon as they lost, the money was in my account quick. And of part course, of it of was, course. yeah, part of it, part of it was that. Trust me, I've had Brad May owe me thousands of dollars for years and never fucking pay. So this was actually night. Part of it is I'm taking you out for dinner at some point in Toronto. We are going to spend that money together. And uh, and you got the cameo on uh, Matt Barnaby unfiltered, so I'm glad you're on here. Uh, w- w- when you look back at that series, what was the difference? Um, I-, I know you're a big Toronto fan, uh, but what was the biggest difference in that series? You thought? I I do bleed blue a little bit. I do have to admit, but it's important to certainly see things from both sides. Leafs came out flying game one. I think they had like six breakaways. Um. And then from there, it's like they couldn't figure out Rask. They just couldn't figure him out. So it was timely saves from him. Also sucks that we have to watch him beat us after Ferguson traded him many years ago. So <laughs> yeah, that, like, that's hard. It's just an added bonus when you deal with Duke Rask. But, uh, but no, I think the Leafs were in it every game but game two. They played well. Um, I mean, if Matthew scores in the first five minutes of game seven, that game's totally different. That was a huge save. So, yeah, I think it was a little bit of Boston being too good, to be honest, and a little bit of Mike Babcock being a bit too stubborn and certain players not showing up. So, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Is one of those guys William Nylander? Uh, I'll give Willie a little bit of a break. Sometimes he can be a space cadet. I get it. Um, But, fuck, when you have no training camp, your dad and your agent battle it out with Dubas, for three and a half months, you finally tell the guys, hey, fuck, I'd like to play some hockey. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they get the deal done minutes before, as everybody knows. But uh, I don't know. At times, Willie spaces out, and at times, he, he can be one of the best players on the ice. He needs to learn when he gets in the offensive zone to keep fucking skating. The guy circles back like every time he gets in the zone. And, I mean, guys are picking up on it. The third man high is picking up on it. It's uh, he's a frustrating player to watch because he's really fucking good. How, how nervous are you uh, going into July first uh, with number sixteen, uh, Martyr needing that contract and where that might put them against the cap with some deficiencies in that lineup? Uh, absolutely, there is. I mean, Dubis has said it; he's number one priority, obviously, but um, makes a ton of sense to keep that kid around. But I, I think they're gonna. I think this one uh, will be a lesson learned from Dab, uh, from Dubis. Sorry, from when he uh, dealt with Nylander and went through that whole process. I think he'll pick up that. Hey, this is your core that you can't fuck with. So get it done. 
and figure it out after the fact. I think he's got a couple moves in his back pocket. I think a guy like Connor Brown's probably get out because they got a lot of forwards that are really similar to him. So if he's making two and change, then you got to you got to move that money and bring in a, a rookie deal, which Jeremy Bracco would fit perfectly. Yeah. So he's having a great you heard run it here with the first, Marlies. Yeah, he's having a great run yeah. with the Marlies. He is, he is. And but back back to Marner, I I think that deal's done. I think you you got to pay him if you can somehow get him for Kucherov and Stone money, nine point five. Keep him under ten. Um, it's still a long way away from Matthews now, so I don't know how. Yeah, that's going to work with those two being so close. Yeah, 90, 94 points, and his numbers um, were the best, obviously, this year for the Leafs. Matthews was injured at times, but he's such an integral part of that team going forward. Who who, who do you like in Game Six? Um, this will actually be done, and we will have either a Game Seven or a Game One of the Stanley Cup set. But who do you like in Game Six with St. Louis and San Jose? I, I got to stick with the Blues. They, uh, Darren Millard wrote a great piece on DeanBlundell.com. Uh, I think we published it last night and just how they really held their composure when, you know, shit hit the fan with the hand pass that, that totally could have went anywhere from, you know, getting into it with the refs at the end of the game. Maybe somebody bumps somebody they're not supposed to get suspended, things like that. So to have that composure and pull off a couple of W's right after is saying something about that core. So. Shout out to Millard for for the great piece you wrote last night, but but yeah, I think I think St. Louis sticks it out, and I think a guy like Tyler Bozak could probably have a pretty big deal uh, how, when it comes to the game. Yeah, how big a for those that don't know, um, explain what happened to DeanBlundell dot com and uh, selling off twenty five percent. Absolutely. Yeah, so so twenty five percent sold. Uh, lots of big things, big things happening. So. Uh, me personally, I've been riding with Duan. Uh, for you know, podcasts like this, podcasts like the Chirp. We got Dean's podcast almost every day, so it's just a cl- constant flow of uh, you know some some unpolished uh, content per se. But then you have like some really smart industry guys like you know yourself, Millard, and and a few others. So. Uh, yeah, we sold 25%. Um, we're going to have some more information coming out in the next week or so with a, with a press release. I guess it might be you know, a day or two after you hear uh, this podcast. But uh, we're really excited, and uh, we're glad that you're a part of the, part of the process, Barnes. So really cheers happy. to that. Thank you. Really happy you'd be part of the team. I'm really happy that you made the bet for 250 I'm even more happy that you paid so quickly and – Thanks for coming on. I know you have a, a baseball game today, so don't try to tear those old hammies. I, I actually broke my ankle uh, last time I played softball, so I'm kind of... Oh, okay. Kind, kind of, uh, yeah, I've, I've suffered through a torn bicep, so we'll keep it uh, nice and simple tonight. But I, I heard, you know, thanks I heard, a lot for having me on. I heard that fucking hurts. It, it does when they have to cut it off your shoulder and reattach it after you threw uh, the old curveball in front of a few scouts, so... That time passed a long time ago, but uh, but now, yeah, what can you what can you do but a couple of beers and some good times? So I love it. I look I love forward it. to it, and look forward to uh, to our dinner, and uh, maybe our next bet can be on the golf course. I love that. I love to I love to tee it up, and you know what they say about golf bets: ninety five percent of the bets are won on the first tee. So bring a good handicap, and you can cheat a little bit. I'll let you get your 
money back. Shane, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Shug McQueen, Mc, uh, McSween, sorry. Uh, when uh, Love it. you go to deanblundell.com, check them out. And thanks again. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, Barnes. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Such a great guy. Really, really good guy. I'm, I'm really pumped to be part of deanblundell.com and everything they bring. I think they're, they're all so talented in totally different, unique ways. Uh, but here's what I know. They're, they're really good people. And uh, sometimes we're all a little batty in our own ways, but uh, we enjoy sports. We love talking. Uh, we don't mind uh, swearing every once in a while. But uh, great, great people. Shane, I'm glad he made that bet. I was, I was licking my chops. Boston wasn't losing to Toronto, even though it did go to, go to Game 7. Uh, just the history. Just the history. And I love when people... I do that with the Jets, too. I, bet, bet with your mind, not your heart. Bet with your mind, not your heart. I, I wish I could follow my own advice. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, uh, but certainly uh, I, I really enjoyed this bet. Boston's been dominant like we've seen. Toronto didn't have an answer for them at the end. Columbus didn't have an answer for them, and Carolina had absolutely no chance, even though they had a great regular season. So, Shane, thank you. I will uh, spend that money well with you. We will have a couple of cocktails and enjoy the 250 in Toronto. That, that might get us actually McDonald's. Um, we might have to have it in Ottawa or somewhere else because fucking Toronto is so crazy expensive. But uh, thanks for coming on. With Mike Commodore coming on in a little bit, uh, we're up next, I guess. Yeah, he, he's up next. A lot of people asked for him and for, for good reason. Uh, drafted the second round by the Devils. They went to North Dakota, was a fighting Sioux. NHL veteran of 483 games, played a year in the KHL, Twitter sensation, uh, so many great stories. I, I've only got to meet him uh, since my playing days have uh, ended and uh, do the, 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 the circuit of raising money, essentially. Mike Commodore, <laughs> welcome to uh, Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. How are you, and uh, how's the weather in Calgary right now? Well, first off, thank you very much for having me, and uh, it has been very nice to meet you on the circuit. I like how you put that. I think we've now done, well, it's a five degrees and threatening to snow here uh, in Calgary, so the weather is awful, um, but the circuit, how many events have we done together now? Is it four? Yeah, four, four or five. It, you you kind of, no, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't like doing it with you anymore, because I usually go like two or three overall, and now that... You're involved in these. I get pushed back now. So you, you let me have it a few weeks ago in, in <laughs> Calgary. What You went second overall to the team I actually played for. Uh, but, yeah, and we're fortunate, to, and they're, they're fun, fun events that a lot of times get out of control. Before we even go on from there, you got to tell one of yeah. the fucking craziest stories that happened in Edmonton last year at the event. I, I had bought, like, 20 drinks and waited for you and some friends, and you kind of disappeared to go get some food. Please, uh, please elaborate and take it from there. Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, you and I did the. Uh, we had our, our day together there. So, our day at these uh, at, the, at the event was basically lunch, have a couple drinks, and then, like you know, if you want to get drafted fairly high, you got to have a couple with a few of the teams and meet the people throughout the afternoon, and that carries into the evening, and that turns into the draft. <laughs> and that adds up to a few drinks and then we all us and there was a group of us that went out yeah to a bar on jasper ave downtown edmonton and i was there with you 
uh, crushing a couple, and I was kind of running out of gas. It was about 10.30 at night, and now I knew what time I was playing in the morning. I was playing at like 8 or 8.30 in the morning. And I was kind of looking, I was just, I was just sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I'm really just drinking this drink, just a drink. Like I'm not really feeling anything anymore. <laughs> I think it's time to go home. I need something to eat. I didn't eat anything because I was at the draft. You run your mouth on the microphone a little bit. You just kind of lose track of things. And so I walked out of the bar. First party place I saw I was going to eat. So look right, there was a shawarma place right across the street. So I thought, perfect, I'm going to grab a quick bite to be, eat. I'll be in there for 10 minutes, and I'll be in a cab back to the hotel. I walk across the street as I'm about to walk into this bar. There were three guys standing outside. I didn't think anything of it. I just go to walk in. I, my mouth is shut. I'm, I'm just looking for something to eat, and I'm leaving. Uh, one of the guys was a big dude, bigger than me. He stands up in front of the door, and he goes, let's wrestle. And I like laugh. I thought this guy was joking. I'm like, yeah, wrestle. I'm not wrestling. Yeah, wrestle. That's yeah. what he said. He wanted to wrestle. So I kind of laugh. I'm like, I think he's totally joking. I'm like, yeah, I'm not laughing. I walk around him, go inside, eat, don't think anything of it. Walk outside. These same three guys are standing there again. And the same guy is now he's a little bit more serious. He's like, we're wrestling. And now I can kind of tell that I'm like, that he's like, hey, uh, now this is a little bit serious. And I'm like, dude, I'm not wrestling. And then as I said that, his buddy to my left, just sucker punch. I didn't see it coming at all. I mean, it'd be like, I didn't see anything. I had no inkling it was coming. I had no chance to prepare myself yeah. whatsoever. So he suckers me right in the side of the jaw and drops me. So I open up my eyes. You know, I was just like, kind of like a, a split second, like yeah. kind of blackout a little bit. I open up my eyes. I'm down in one knee and I'm bleeding all over my shoes and my shirt. I'm like, what the hell? Can I swear on this show? Oh, by the way, you, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Okay, perfect. So I'm looking at my shoes, bleeding all over myself. I'm like, what the fuck? So I stand up, and I've been doing some. I need to actually get back in there. But at the time, I was going pretty, pretty solid on Muay Thai boxing here in Calgary. Now, I'm by no stretch of the imagination am I an expert. I'm far from it. But I'm better than I was when I started. Yeah. And so this big guy standing there, and I'm like, I need to just create some space, and I am going to give it to this piece of shit that just suckered me. So I kick the big guy. It's called a teep. I okay. kick him right in the chest, and he goes flying backwards. I don't know, ten feet. Now you're like for for I those heard. out there. You're you're six four two thirty. Yeah, uh, I would say if I'm being, to I don't want to lie to your listeners. So <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, I'm now six four two forty five. Okay, okay. Two two thirty was my plane. Okay. Rate. So I kick this guy in the chest, and I look right at this guy. I go right at the guy that suckered me, and he kind of goes to throw a punch. I don't, to be honest, I don't even know if he hit me. I, I, all I want to do yeah. is get my hands on this guy, and I'm going to pummel him. So I grab him by the collar of his shirt, and I hit him as hard as I've ever hit anybody in my life, or a heavy bag, or anything, right in the middle of the face. And he drops, and I wind up to hit him again because I'm pissed off. It was total overkill. I shouldn't have. But wind up to hit him again, all of a sudden I get tackled. So I figure it's one of the two guys that are his buddies. So I kind of roll with it and go to kind of like push off. And then as I kind of shove, I can see like police on the, on the vest. I'm like, ooh. So I don't shove. Police are losing it on me. They let me up. I'm snapping. I'm trying to get around. I'm like, you want to wrestle now, motherfucker, to the big guy? Police are like telling me to settle down. I'm pissed off. So as I'm standing there about to get myself in real trouble, uh, I hear like a, a chick from behind me yell, calm down. So I'm like, I'm pissed off. The last thing I want, I got suckered. I'm bleeding all over myself. Yeah, you, you, nice you didn't choose shirt. this. You didn't fucking choose this. I didn't choose it. This was not my call. It was not my decision. 
the last thing I want to hear is some broad telling me to calm down. <laughs> so I turn around to just, I'm just, I mean, to tell her just to pipe down. And I turn around and in my eyes, I'm like, oh, this girl's pretty good looking. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. I am going to calm down. You're totally right. So anyway, she ends up to, to tighten the story up. She talks to the cops, get, gets us both a ride in the cop car to the hospital. I haven't been in the hospital since grade 11 in Alberta. I'm from outside of Edmonton, but I hadn't been, unless it was flames related where you just kind of go right through. It's not a big deal. So I think it's going to be a couple stitches. She's hanging out. I go, hey, don't worry about it. Thank you very much. I appreciate you doing this. You know, thank you. See you later. You don't have to stick around. I'll be here for like an hour. Well, it ends up working out where this, this is the Royal Alec Hospital on a Friday night in downtown Edmonton. This is like, I end up there till seven in the morning and I got there at 11 o'clock at night. So I'm an eight hour shift there. I can't go to sleep because I'm scared some meth head's going to stab me with a pencil. <laughs> so I end up sitting there, finally get stitched up, jump in a cab back to the, uh, to the Westin. I now have four, like an hour until my game starts. So I run upstairs quick, change, run downstairs. We, there was a little team breakfast or, you know, alumni breakfast area. Walk in there. I got blood all over my face. The guys are like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't have time to talk. I got to go to the game. Run downstairs, jump in my car, drive to the game. And anyways, end up going about my weekend, end up having a great time. And to kind of full circle with the story, the girl that told me to calm down and who ended up giving me a ride to the hospital is now my girlfriend of a year. Oh, and I'm not a very big dater. So that, <laughs> I guess it all worked out. That, that, In the long run, it all worked out. That, yeah, it, it did. You had, well, two, two, I guess the moral of the story is don't leave Matthew at the bar alone to go eat a shawarma. Yeah. Uh, and you, you know what? I actually, that's true. That is one moral of the story. <laughs> I think you could kind of look at it the other way too. I, I'm actually glad you weren't there because I have a feeling if you would have seen that happen, you would have went bananas. And I don't know if that would have been good either. Yeah, no, you're 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 right. I would have. I couldn't have seen that. What a bunch of fucking idiots! Feel- the guy. I hope the guy. I hope you destroyed his face. And from all accounts, from what I've heard, you destroyed the guy's face. So good fucking I, on him. I did. I was. He came back when I was right before the the girl uh, kind of saved me there and told me to calm down. The guy that I, who I who I punched came up and was like, because I was still trying to get after the big guy, and he had the guy had his hand over his face. And, uh, I'm like, I turned to look at him and I said something like, Oh, you want another one or something like that? And he dropped his hand off his face and I like, like he started it. So I don't feel bad, Yeah. but I actually kind of did feel a little bad because his nose was gone <laughs> and he had a huge, like, I actually, like, it was disgusting to be honest. I, just that portion of it. I, I literally, I went, Oh man. Like I was actually kind of concerned. The cops said, "Don't worry, we saw everything. You're not going to get in trouble." But oh, good. anyway, life life goes on. I mean, they got good plastic surgeons up there. Yeah, he'll he'll be he'll fine. Be fine. He'll be fine. Anyone wants yeah. to see the picture? It's still on your Twitter feed at some point, but your, your Instagram as well. So anyone that wants to follow uh, Mike Commodore, he's an unbelievable follow at uh, Commie Twenty Two. What's your Instagram? Instagram is at M W C Two Two Mike or Michael, I guess Wayne Commodore. Two two MWC, and there is a picture of him in there. I remember him walking in, or you walking in the next day, and just fucking laughing. But you didn't miss a beat, and grabbed a beer, and and played with your team, and we're a we're a superstar. But there is a picture of there of you in the back of the cop car, right? All all bloodied up. Yeah, all bloodied up. Yeah, it actually actually was a great weekend, and I actually kind of thank those guys because since I didn't sleep, and then the, the organizers of the tournament 
saw me and they're like, so I played one game. I was, I was played two games. I think it was, I was supposed to play a third, like the, the I got the you out of the all-star, all-star game. game. I got you out of the all-star yes, game. You, that's right. You did. You did. You got me out of that. And the whole plan was, was you got me out of it. And I, they're like, Hey, you know, go get some sleep. You haven't slept. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Guys on my team are like, well, you should get something to eat before you go to bed. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I haven't eaten in a while. And uh, we ended up going to, I think it was Joey's right on the main drag there at Jasper Ave. And a little sandwich turned into about another 20 beers. I never got to <laughs> sleep until about two in the morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That one of the best stories. It was definitely the best story on that circuit that, that that's ever been, will never be duplicated. Uh, tell me about the time uh, you spent at North Dakota. Unbelievable place to develop and, and go to school. And obviously the hockey program is, is second and none. Just talk about your years there and, and that experience and sure. any any crazy college stories because I never got to. I I played junior where I, I played hooky every day from school and told my mom that right. I was still going to school, but I never was. Um, but I played in Quebec City. The the women weren't too bad there. How how was North Dakota? Yeah, I'm actually jealous of. I wish I would have played junior in Quebec City and I had a blast in North Dakota. Uh, you know what? North Dakota was awesome. Uh, long story and how it kind of happened back then. It's totally different now, but. Back then, like a six foot four, two hundred and twenty five defenseman that isn't very offensive, going to college was kind of frowned upon by scouts. But I never considered myself like professional. Professional hockey never crossed my mind until I got drafted. I, literally, I never thought about it. But I was drafted out of the Bantam draft in the last round, and I didn't even know. I honestly didn't even know what was going on. And so I went and did my year of midget, and then I went to camp. Uh, I was drafted by Tacoma, but they moved to Kelowna. And went to camp and was actually on the team. The, the, I think Peter Anholt was the coach. He's like, hey, you're on the team. And I wanted to stay. I was actually in tears. My dad's like, no, you're, you're, you're not staying. And what, he wasn't against Junior. My dad's been scouting for the Regina Pats and Brandon Weekings for okay. like the last 20 years. So it, it, he has nothing against Junior. The only thing was, was my mom was a principal. And like I said, things have changed. My mom was the high school principal. And so she would always kind of get, not the horror stories, but she would always see the the bad part of it of, well, yeah, these kids go to junior, they go leave and they don't go to class. And then they come back here, they have no credits and then I can't graduate them. So her deal was you're staying here. If you can play tier, if you can play major junior, you can definitely play tier, tier, well, tier two junior in the Alberta junior hockey league here in Fort Saskatchewan, where I grew up, stay here, play a year, finish your grade 12, then go the next year. So that made sense to me. I knew nothing about college hockey at all. So I start playing. I had like a fairly good year. Something kind of clicked for me a little bit. I was getting a little bit better, you know, every week or so. And I got a visit to the head coach came and said, Hey, uh, BU's here to see you. They're upstairs. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm like, what the fuck is BU? (laughs) I have no idea what college hockey is. I've learned quickly that it's Boston university, but no idea. So I go upstairs. This guy hands me like the the program with all the, you know, the club, whatever the, the, spiel they give to yep. everybody that they're recruiting i have no idea what's coming out of this guy's mouth i'm agreeing with everything he says yeah i know it's a great program i don't know a fucking thing about it and he leaves and i'm like well that was so once one comes then they all kind of come and then not all but then a few more usually come so north dakota came and they were the first uh university to, to offer me a scholarship and the only reason why i went down on the fly down was they're like hey we want to fly you down for a weekend i'm like okay like me and my parents come in they're like no no just you i'm like wait, I, I get to travel anywhere with all my parents? They're I'm like, in. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm in for sure. So we end up going to North Dakota, fly in, they play Colorado College. And uh, I mean, basically I was blown away. Like junior hockey, there's, at least from what I saw as a fan, 
going around in, in different WHL spots and watching games when I was in town and they were playing. Some arenas are like, I just like college hockey, but some arenas are awesome and some are, you know, maybe not so many fans. Well, North Dakota was seven, packed. You couldn't get a ticket. 7,500 people or something like that in the old arena. Half of it, buildings cut in half, students. Half of those people are girls, college girls, and they're everybody's boozing. I'm like, I'm coming here. <laughs> so I ended up going to North Dakota. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a, to be honest, it was the time of my life. They ended up winning in 97. I came the next year. Our teams all three years, so we would always go out on Saturday nights if our team was, you know, if, we, if you win. And I was fortunate enough that the three years we were there, I think our record was like 100 wins and 20 losses. And I can't remember. I think we lost one Saturday night game. We never lost at home. Maybe lost one Saturday night game in Wisconsin. Might have been another one or two mixed in there over three years, but we didn't lose very much. We won the national title my third year, and it was awesome. It was actually perfect for me because I, I needed to learn how – I never really learned how to skate good, but I at least got a little bit better with all the practice time and, and lifting. Like I couldn't bench press anything anywhere near my weight. So I got to like train, get a little bit on more of a, a lifting schedule. So it was good. It was a blast. I, I recommend it to anybody who has a chance to go there and play. Yeah, winning record in the facility now is is just off the charts. It sits. Oh, it rivals any NHL facility uh, out there. Oh, for sure. That that and the, the the facility they have there came in. I think '02 would have been a couple of years. I only stayed for three years. Unfortunately, it was one of the hardest decisions ever when I left, but I was tired of painting the dorm room walls for three bucks an hour. <laughs> the, the devils came at me with a signing board for 450 grand. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. I'm in. Uh, yeah, I'm in. And uh, yeah, the new rink's unreal. A Vegas guy built it. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually, I mean, there's not a whole lot going on in North Dakota as a whole. There aren't very many people that live there, but that it is a great spot. It's an awesome spot to go to school. And that, that place is worth the trip. If you like hockey. Did, did you get hazed when you were there? Any hazing? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? I was actually fortunate where all the hazing that was in, you know, like the junior stuff wasn't yeah. bad at all. And you know what? At North Dakota, now I think it's, I'm guessing it's probably gone now, but it actually wasn't too bad. Like the, probably the scariest part of it was they opened it up. They're like, okay, you guys all need to be in. So we all lived in the, you had to live in the dorms your freshman year. So probably the scariest part of it was, okay, you guys all need to be in whatever Mike Commodore's dorm at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. You all better fucking be there. Don't be late and bring toilet paper. And so the first question you think is like, uh, well, how much toilet paper? It's up to you. So that was probably a week out. So it doesn't sound like much, but when you're sitting there and you know, you're going to get hazed and it's like, okay, well, Am I bringing a lot of toilet paper? Is that a good thing? Am I going to have to like wrap myself up in it naked? Or is it better if I bring one, but then one toilet paper roll of toilet paper isn't going to do much if you're naked running around campus. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably the scariest part. But other than that, it, it was just a few shots. And, you know, some guys handle yeah. it a little bit better than others. You got to tell a joke. Nobody laughed. Take your clothes off. Dance around for five seconds. <laughs> and that was about it. It was fine. Yeah, we, we had to run naked from downtown Quebec to the rink, which is about three miles. Um, Whoa. That, was, that wasn't, wasn't that bad. And then the yeah. next day, we, we were actually uh, an expansion team. So we had as many rookies as there were veterans or at least good veterans. And they wanted to sit around a piece of bread and jerk off, and the last guy I had to eat it. And I was like, I, I'm out. I don't really want to play junior hockey no. all, all that all that much. So the next day at 
at training camp, I got all our rookies together, and when the veterans came on the ice, we fucking jumped them. We had a full-out brawl on the ice, and like I said, we had we had some really tough uh, rookies and beat the fuck out of yeah. them, and then our coach ended up trading like three of the veterans only because they were doing that, and they had asked what happened. I didn't want to tell them, but I was like, I, I don't really need to play junior hockey that bad. I can go back no. to Ottawa and, and work in the lumberyard. <laughs> I don't really yeah. need it that bad. Um, take us to – well, you were dragging – yeah, there, there, there was no way. There was no way. Yeah, no, that hazing stuff. I always looked at it. I'm like, you, know, you embarrass the guy a little bit. Yeah, hey, no problem. I, I get that. But when it gets into that, like some of the stories, like I, I was very fortunate that I never had to. I was anything anywhere near that anywhere that I played. But when it gets into that stuff, like to be honest, I think it's well, it's, it is sick. It's yeah, not, it's I think sick. It is. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's yeah, I don't think that's funny or build a team whatsoever. I, I was. Anyways, I, I it's funny because um, Zdeno Chara just came out and said how he they treat the rookies and they don't even he doesn't like to call them rookies. They're just part of the team. And I like the NHL. They yeah. they take you out to dinner. But I was an assistant captain the next year on that team, and our hazing stopped. We had fun with them, like you said, tricycles in a yeah. bar and made them fall over. Uh, but but stuff we had we had fun with. Uh, your first real run uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs was with Calgary. Oh three, oh four. Take me through that experience and, and that team, and what made you fucking want to grow the hair? And then you took that to Carolina, and you became certainly a legend um, with that fucking mop you had on your head. <laughs> so the hair thing started in college. Uh, starting my second year, me and another guy that I played with, he was a couple years in front of me, but Jeff Almer. We would get report cards in college. So long story short, it was like a one you played great, a two year average, a three year horseshit. So we did a little thing at the beginning of the year. We're like, hey, why don't we grow out our hair? We're not cutting our hair until we get a three, until we're horse shit. So we didn't, I, I would love to say I went through the whole year without being horse shit, but that's not true. But we didn't, I didn't get a, we didn't get a bad grade until like three quarters of the way through the year. Like it was always ones or twos. And so by that time, our hair was pretty long. It's like, well, we've come this far. I'm not cutting it now a month before the end of the season. Fuck it. Let's just keep going. So I did that. And it was, it was, I was like, man, he's these other my college kids really like this i guess my peers really like this like ah. so i kind of knew it was popular and then i was drafted by new jersey and that shit wasn't flying in new jersey or albany with uh, uncle lou yeah. it was high and tight <laughs> all the time so i didn't do it there and then once i got out of there i'm like you know what i'm just gonna grow it again just for shits and giggles so every year i would do it every year of my career i did it but the only two that really mattered were when we went to the finals twice um so actually so i was doing it in calgary and calgary that run was awesome i was for me i was just lucky to be here i was down for for half the year got called up blew my shoulder out played the last six games of the regular season and i think it was our last road game now by this time my hair is really long and christoph olawa was on our team and smartest guy i've ever met (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, you and Oli have some experiences he he can't spell Uh, christoph olawa <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I don't think you can. Uh, so he's before I go up the he stops me. He goes, "Take your helmet off." I go, "Wow, I don't." I mean, I, I, it's my first couple games here. I've only played 50 in New Jersey. I don't really think I'm going to look like an idiot. No, no, no. Take your helmet off. I'm like, "All right." So I did. And so I never put my helmet on back again in the NHL. Uh, so that's kind of how it got going in Calgary. And then you know, you go on a run to the finals and. You know, people can only talk about, you know, Jerome McGinley and Mika Kippersaw. You know, they're looking for other angles, other yeah. stories and stuff like that. So the hair kind of took on a life of its own. And it actually worked out into a good thing. My mom was still a principal back up outside of Edmonton, uh, where we were from, or where I'm from, sorry. 
And uh, so after it was during round one, they came to every game that was in Calgary and they came down and during Vancouver, we played Vancouver in the first round. And she's like, Hey, would you mind? Uh, we're doing this, like cut your hair for cancer. And would you, you know, would it be okay if, you know, we can raise some money maybe and you'll cut your hair at the end of the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And this was like maybe after game three or four or something like that. And I'm like, you know, we were a huge underdog to Vancouver. Vancouver was unreal. And I'm like, well, this might be happening sooner than I'd like. Vancouver is good, but just so happened we beat them, then we beat Detroit, <clears throat> then we beat San Jose, and now all of a sudden now it's a huge deal. Um, so it actually turned out to a good thing. Like the Gillette Mach Three had just come out, yeah. So Gillette donated like twenty grand, and I think it ended up raising like thirty or thirty-five grand for cancer. So it turned into a good thing. And then I just rolled that in. The next year was the lockout, and I got traded, and I was. Well, I was kind of mad when I got traded just because I was like, well, we got a good team here. And then I sat and thought about it for two minutes. It's like, well, Dion Phaneuf's coming in. Everybody that was there last year on Decor is back on a, on a one-way deal. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm going to be right back in the minors. Yeah. You want to play like, and make oh, some money. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Like I've, I, look, the American Hockey League is a great league, and, but I put my time in. I'm like, man, I, I'm ready to play. I, I need a chance. And Carolina gave that to me. And we were picked to, to finish 28th, but the rules had changed drastically and i think one of the major reasons why we won um was that i think i guess we could probably make the argument that nobody adjusted their roster for those rules probably better than we did that year there were other teams i mean we finished second in the east so there are other teams that were doing real well too but um that was a major reason why we won we had a team that could score i mean other than me pretty much from top to bottom of the lineup (laughs) Um, yeah, it was good. We, it was a good year. There was, there weren't too many, uh, bad days there that year. I was going to say the guys on that team, anytime you have a run like that and you win, you have the opportunity. Um, those are bonds, bonds for life. What do you, what do you remember most about, about that run? Um, what do I remember? That's a good question. The first thing that comes to mind is, so we played Montreal in the first round and, uh, we finished second. We lost. Everybody kind of thinks we not everybody kind of thinks, but people were kind of accusing us a little bit of losing our last regular season home game. I think we lost to Buffalo. And if we would have won that game, we would have finished first in the East. Instead, I think Ottawa finished in first, if I'm, I think. So we finished second. We got to play Montreal. Um, so anyways, we first two games at home, we get spanked. We're down two nothing. I'm like, holy fuck. And I call my dad and on my way home, home from the rink. And he's like, well, I mean, we got dominated. I think we might've lost one game in overtime. The other game was like seven, one or something. And I was driving home and I called my dad. He was, he was positive, but he was like, well, you know, you've had a good year. And I hung up the phone and I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, we're too good to be fucking losing in the first round or, or to go out like this. I mean, yeah. we're going back to Montreal down to nothing. I mean, it's looking like a one-way ticket for it to get swept. So we go into Montreal and, then we just took over. I mean, we, I mean, there were tight games, most of them, but we end up winning the next four, which was huge. Then we go on to the next round. Uh, New Jersey was on a real hot streak. Like they had won their last, I want I'm going to get the numbers a little bit wrong, but they got, they won their last like 11 games of the year. And then they swept the first round. So they were on like a 15 game winning streak. We were a huge underdog in that series. We kicked the shit out of them in five. And then we played Buffalo uh, and Buffalo, well, yeah, Buffalo was a tough series. We got, in my opinion, we got pretty fortunate. Buffalo had a lot of injuries, which is part of the whole deal. I mean, it's a long playoff run. People get hurt, and they had a lot of D-men, I remember, that were out. So we kind of got lucky there. It squeaked out in seven. Uh, yeah, Jamie McKee had staff, had staff infection. 
for game yeah, seven. Yeah, I think were... game six or game seven because he's told me the story where he was so laced up on painkillers because he almost he almost lost his leg because of staph infection. In, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, knew, like he, I knew something five. was wrong with him. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, had, he had a uh, he had. I think they played Buffalo in the first round. Uh, they played Ottawa in the first round. He got cut. It got. They, he had a choice to stitch it up or not stitch it up on, on his foot, and he, he didn't stitch it up. And they said it would be fine. He gets hit with a shot in your series, and it reopens. And we all know how disgusting hockey equipment is. He, yeah. he he ended up getting staph infection, and they they told him he sat in the hospital, and they looked at his leg, and they go, if this swelling, if this redness goes above your kneecap, we have to amputate. So he literally sat there for about five hours, staring to see if it would fucking go above his kneecap, oh, and he was going to lose his leg. It was that bad. So, oh wow, yeah. I, I had no idea. I knew he was hurt. I didn't know it was that, and I definitely didn't know it was to that degree. Yeah, in insanity, yeah. insanity. That is insanity. And he was, I want to say like in game seven, I, I want to, yeah, he was out towards the end of the series for sure. I don't know if it was just seven or if it was six, two, I'm, I can't remember, but I want to say they, they maybe had three regulars playing and then the other three were all like, you know, guys that were in Rochester, like call-ups and stuff. So we definitely got a little bit fortunate there, no doubt about it. Uh, and then we played the Oilers. So, it, I mean, it as far as for me, it was actually kind of fun because I mean, if you it wasn't back to back years because the lockout was in the middle, but yeah. uh, you know, getting to go to the final. I'm from Alberta. I'm from getting Alberta, to go to yeah. the finals with Calgary in '04, and then in '06, getting to play against my hometown team, Edmonton, in the finals the next year. Basically, uh, yeah, it was fun for me. I mean, yeah, we had some good time. I mean, it cost me a lot of fucking money. I'll <laughs> tell you that. Like back then, it was in the with the lockout in between. So before the lockout. If you made it to the finals and lost, you got a check for $75,000 minus taxes. So that was, a, call it forty-five grand. Yeah. If you won, you got one fifty minus taxes. Then the lockout happened. Then I went back to the finals, and we won. And my check was the exact same thing as it was when we lost two years before as when we won in 06. So I got another check for forty-five grand, And I definitely lost money in that playoffs because we were up in Edmonton, and I'm like, Hey, if we have any extra tickets, I'm like, fuck the Oilers fans. I'm like, I, I know my buddies are Oilers fans, but they're at least going to cheer for me. Yeah. I'm like, I'll, I'll get them tickets. So I ended up buying a ton of tickets. My parents were there, and that place was a madhouse, but but it was fun. I think everybody treated my parents pretty well, and I had my buddies there around them too, because it can get a little, you know, Edmonton's blue collar, oh, and yeah. then those boys start smashing beers in there by the third period. It can get a little bit ugly. So my only rule with my parents were like, hey, look, I love you guys. I know you're cheering for me. What you don't need to do is put on a Carolina Hurricanes jersey and go to the game. Just dress up normal. I don't even care if you can wear an Oilers hat. I don't give a shit. Just blend in, and I'll see you after the game. I know who you're cheering for. That's all that matters. Uh, so it worked out well. It's funny you say that about the cost. I remember when I was in Buffalo, a couple of the runs with my family, I'd get them a box, and I got fucking taught an early lesson at the age of about 24. You know, the box is whatever, $1,200 back then. And I, yeah. I get a $7,000 fucking bar and food bill from Ooh. all my friends eating and, and mom and, and everyone. I'm like, okay, I'll get oh, the yeah. box. You guys fucking yeah. take care of the booze. It's, it's amazing how they didn't drink quite the same amount or eat right. uh, when it was on their own bill. Uh, you go from, obviously, Carolina. Uh, I don't even remember you being in Ottawa. It's like me being a Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I missed the Senator Johnson. We'll skip by that. You sign a big deal in Columbus. How, how'd you like it there? How, how was how was the experience there? 
you by, know the, what? by the way, it you was, signed a monster deal back then. Monster. I did. I did. It was a monster deal. Somehow, some way, I ended up being like one of the more highly touted defensemen of the year. About that free agency, maybe it was a combination of a little bit of a down year with the D and coming off winning a couple of years before because things didn't end great in Ottawa. They were all right. I mean, don't get me wrong. The team, I, I don't want to talk about Ottawa. That's, we don't need to talk about that today. But yeah, signed a monster deal in Columbus. And to be honest, when people ask me like where my favorite place to play was, um, you know, I had fun here in Calgary, but I played 18 games here. Yeah. I had fun in Tampa. I played 10 games there. I had a blast in Carolina. So, I mean, but Carolina is the easy answer. I try and give an answer that, you know, yeah, we won a cup there and I had a blast. Yeah. There. That would be obvious. But, and it was my longest stop. My second longest stop was Columbus. And that was my favorite place to play. One was, I now had a lot more money. So it was the first time that I ever got, was able to buy a place. And I bought for people that haven't been to Columbus, which is probably a lot. The setup there is unreal. The rink is sick. It's right on the north end of downtown, which is right where all the bars are, which is right where I bought my place, which is like a quarter of a mile from Ohio State University. So it was, I literally, from my bed to my stall in the rink was a 15-minute walk. All the bars that I went to, like I never, the only time I drove was if I was driving. Well, if it was bad, I'd drive to the rink, but, or I would drive to the airport, which was like 15 minutes away. So it was a sick setup like that. Uh, my first year there, we were, I mean, nobody really remembers, but we had a really good team, especially for, you know, Columbus had never made the playoffs before. And that was the big thing. Let's get to the playoffs. And we managed, I think we finished sixth, maybe. So we made the playoffs for the first time ever. We got swept with Detroit kind of, well, Detroit gave it to us, obviously, but we made the playoffs and that's all anybody cared about. And then it just kind of went, unfortunately, it's actually probably what pisses me. One of the, there's a couple things that piss me off. Like most people have some things that they regret in their career, but that was probably my biggest regret was just how it ended up working out there because I really enjoyed it there. I thought I put my best foot forward there and with a couple of coaching changes, it just didn't fucking work out. And yeah. that I would have really have liked to have played more than half of my, I mean, I was signed a five year deal and I was basically gone at the beginning of year three. Uh, I really would have liked to have played my full contract there. That, that place is fucking awesome for anybody who hasn't been to a game in Columbus. If you ever get a chance to go, it is definitely worth going. I think we saw that with the playoffs this year. That I think it was really in the forefront for a lot of people just being able to see exactly how pumped they get. And you're right, Ohio State. I, I didn't really appreciate Columbus at all until I yep. went to the All-Star game a few years ago. It's a fun fucking town. It's, Man, it's, it, it's under the radar good. Big time. Like, and it's awesome. And I haven't. I have not set foot, so I was done there in 2011, 10 or 11 or something, and then I signed the next year in Detroit, and I was there with my boy Babs, obviously a healthy scratch, and I was, so I was sitting in the press box there, and that is the last time that I've been in Columbus, and I just sold my place. I, have, I kept holding on to my – I was renting it out. But I just sold my place like two months ago. Uh, it was kind of a sad day, but I was like – because I loved the play. I mean, I had a hot tub on the roof. I'm right by Ohio. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of fun there. So I kind of wanted to hang on to it, and I'm like, man, maybe somebody will come with something. I can go back to Columbus. But reality set in, and I'm like, okay, there's really no way I'm going to have another re- – like, the Columbus Blue Jackets aren't calling me to offer me a fucking job. <laughs> so I'm like, I think I can get rid of this, and I'll go back and stay at a hotel. But I do miss it there. It's been way too long. I need to go to a game. Yeah, they gave you $18 million. I think that was good enough for, for that. And you can always visit when you want if you want to go to an Ohio State game. So that's okay. You, you go from yeah. you go from there to your your buddy, and this is what most people want to want to hear about. Um, I love it; it makes me laugh, and 
Uh, some days we're yeah. sitting on the shitter, and I, I see uh, you come up with it. Uh, tell us, tell us why you fucking hate Mike Babcock and uh, the story behind it, and just what sure. a douchebag you think he is. He is a fucking. He is a terrible fucking human being. That fucking guy. So my, I'll shorten it up a little bit because if I went into everything, I'd be talking for fucking three hours. But the the short of it is. His first year in Anaheim was my third year pro. And I got traded from New Jersey to Anaheim. I was supposed to like penciled into play, show up in shape, fight everybody in camp. I think I have a pretty good camp. But he had another defenseman, Kurt Sauer, that he wanted to play that went to junior in Spokane where he coached and like that. And so I'm in the minors. That shit happens all the time. I was pissed off, but whatever. That shit, you can't really bitch about that. That shit happens. It happens every year. A uh, couple things happened throughout the year. I was in Cincinnati and he could, you know, I got called up to take a warm up, and they did a, like a fat test. And so I spent the first, I don't know, this was about Christmas time. So I've been playing three or four games a week. Uh, been playing a lot. I'm in. I'm lighter than I was at training camp. I come in. He's like, do a fat test. I'm like, okay. So my body fat was always somewhere around 10 percent, 10, 11 percent, and that's what it was that training camp. This a new guy, brand new trainer, just first year in the NHL. Actually went to North Dakota too, which is kind of sad. But does my body fat the like pinch test, which is the biggest fucking joke of a test ever? And it was three spots. So basically, the guy could make me as fat as he wanted to. Yeah, picks, so he, he, he picks your three that he can see is is your worst. Right. So my body fat comes back. He's like, "Hey, Mike." He's like, "Your body fat's twenty three percent." I laugh. I'm like, "Whoa!" I, I go, "Seriously, dude?" I go, "I'm lighter than when I was in training camp." Well, how, how the fuck did my body fat go up 13% yeah. and I'm lighter than what I was? He's like, I got to show Babs. I'm like, well, go ahead. That's fine. I mean, whatever. You do your fucking job. I go, nothing I can do about it. So he goes and tells Babs. Babs waits until I'm, I'm in the gym working out. He waits until everybody's in the room because he wants to embarrass me. Comes in, starts lighting me up. And I'm like sitting there taking it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm fucked here. I'm done. So he was like, so I go back. I, I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm like, I'm down in Cincinnati. I go, first off, your test is fucked. But I'm like, I'm down in Cincinnati. I'm on the fucking bus all the time. And I go, dude, because he was like giving it to me like, you got to be a leader here. And what the fuck are you eating? And I'm like, dude, I'm eating the same things everybody else is fucking eating. Cold stepped on fucking subs and pizzas after the fucking games on the road. I'm like, my body weight's less than what it was in camp, Dad. Fuck you. So I get sent down the next day. That's pretty much it there. And never really hear about it again. Sign my deal in Columbus. He's coaching in Detroit. First time Detroit's in town, the beat writers kind of know there's something there that I don't like them. So they ask, ask me a question, and I'm like, you know, I kind of go off. It's the paper, so I'm not calling them a fucking idiot. But yeah. I'm like, you know what? This guy went out of his way to, to bury me, and it's been a, kind of a longer route to get back up here. But whatever, I don't think much of the guy. Whatever I said, I carved him, but not crazy. And so I go and skate, whatever, play the game. Actually, it was I remember this game as a Columbus Blue Jackets. I was so fucking pumped. We beat them 3-2 in overtime, and I had two or three of six. I, I assisted on the winner. I think I had two points, which is a huge night for me at the box office. <laughs> and uh, so I was pumped, and I heard after the game, I was like, wow, I'm like, I hope the guys don't take it the wrong way. You know, I don't really know what the players think of Mike Babcock. I have no fucking clue. I, I haven't been around. And so I find out that before the game, Chris Chelios and Chris Osgood had cut the article out, and they had highlighted the parts of the article where I was carving Babs. So at first I heard that and I was like, Oh man, I'm like, you know, like I respect the players. Like I don't really want to, that's not really who I am. Yeah. But then I find out more. They weren't doing it because they didn't like what I said. 
they, they loved were it. doing it because they thought it was fucking awesome. They yeah. wanted to fucking make sure he saw it. So that is kind of a window. I mean, I'm not going to drop people's names without them giving me permission, yeah. but that's kind of a window into what players think of them. They fucking hate them. Everybody in Detroit hated his fucking guts. Or if it wasn't everybody, it was 99% from the ushers on down. But anyways, to get to the point, the real reason why I hate that piece of shit is I get bought out in Columbus on whatever, June 30th, whatever the day is, right at the end of June. Talk to my agent. He's like, hey, you're getting bought out. I'm like, well, no shit. I'm like, Scott Arneal. Okay, so I just get bought out by the Columbus Blue Jackets, and my agent calls me right before, right when I'm about to get bought out. He's like, hey, you're going to get bought out. Free agency starts tomorrow. You know, hopefully we get a contract offer in August. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. Usually how it works is like, you know, if you manage to have some success in the NHL, you get bought out. Usually, I won't say usually, but if you're lucky, if you're lucky is the way to put it. If you're lucky, you usually get, you can get another chance. Yeah, I got bought out. So, I got bought out by Chicago, and then I signed within a month with Dallas on a one-year deal. With Dallas, that's right. And uh, so the exact same thing happened with me. Well, except it was the next day. But so July one starts, and nine nine oh five in the morning in Kelowna. So free agency just started five minutes ago. My phone rings. It's my agent. He's like, "Hey, I got a contract offer." I'm like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "I thought, like, who is it?" Or what is it? I said first. He goes, well, it's a one-year, $1 million. I go, well, that's awesome. That's way more than I expected. I was on a one-way deal. I was hoping to maybe get the minimum, get a million bucks. I'm like, well, who is it? He's like, it's Detroit. And my first reaction was, fuck, I'm not going there. Fucking Mike Babcock coaches there. Now, the agent that I had at this point was not the same agent that I had nine, whatever it was, eight or nine years earlier with my first run in with that dipshit. <laughs> so he's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, look, here's, here's how it is. This guy, the only reason why he wants to get me in there is because he wants to fuck me. I carved him in the papers in Columbus. This guy wants to end my career. He's like, well, what do you want me to tell him? I'm like, well, like I like Ken Holland. I played in Ken Holland's golf tournament. Like just say, we'll get back to him. He's like, well, Mike, the, the one kicker is on this thing is you have 15 minutes to make up your mind. Wow. 15 minutes. Yeah. That's the part that really sucks. You have 15 minutes to make up your mind. If, if they don't hear from us in 15 minutes, if you don't accept it in 15 minutes, the deal's off the table. So I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So it's like free agency just started. I just got bought out. Nobody in the league is even thinking of, I'm so far down the ladder that like nobody's even considering calling me. So I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So I'm like, all right, I'll call you right back. So I call Ken Holland. I'm like, Ken, I'm like, I think you're a great dude. I hope you know that. I would love to play in Detroit. I would love to play with Nick Lidstrom. I'm like, you make the playoffs every year. I would love to play there. You know what I think your head coach. The guy's a fucking idiot. Does he really want me on the team? Or is this you want me on the team and he wants to fuck me? Or how is this working? And he's like, no, I, he wants on the team. I go, do you believe him? He goes, yeah, I do. I go, give me his fucking phone number. So I get his Mike Babcock. Really? I call this. Yeah. It's awesome. This motherfucker. Now I got like 10 minutes left to make up my mind or the deal's fucking gone. So I call him. I'm like, Mike, he goes, oh, hey, call me. How you doing? I'm like staring at my phone. I'm like, don't fucking call me. Call me. I'm like, that's what my buddies call me. You're a fucking idiot. (laughs) I I, I said that in my head. I didn't say (laughs) that out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I go, Mike, please be honest with me. Do you want me on your hockey team or not? If you don't want me on your team, that there's no problem. Free agency just started 10 minutes ago. That's no big deal. I'm no hard feelings. I'll just wait and hopefully go somewhere else. No, no, no. I want you. I want you. We need a right-handed shot because at the time they hadn't signed Ian White yet. 
there was no right-handed shots on the team. He's like, no, 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 we watch, I watch. I go, Babs, please be honest with me. I know this is my last fucking chance, so please be honest with me. You want me, are you going to give me an opportunity to play? I'm not asking for anything special. I'm not like, oh, I need to be on the power play. I'm like, I need to know I'm just going to get an opportunity yeah, to play. I know chance. I can still play, but I, I need a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get an opportunity. You're not going to try and fuck me, Babs. You honestly want me on your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you, I want you, I want you. Nick likes playing with a right-handed defenseman. Blah, blah, blah. So I hang up the phone, call my agent back. I got five minutes left. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, he's going to fuck me. I know it. He's going to fuck me. He goes, well, what did he say? I'm like, well, he said I might play with Nick. And he's like, well, that wouldn't be too bad. So then I start thinking, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you playing for the Red Wings. That would be awesome. Or play with Nick Lidstrom. Literally, all I would have to do is go D to D every time I got the fucking puck. And that would be 30 points a year. At <laughs> easy, easy, now, easy, <laughs> easy. I'm like, man, fuck. If I could play with Nick for most of the year, 30 points, I'm fucking back in the saddle and I'm back in it. I'm going to sign another fucking deal like Columbus. Maybe not quite to that degree, but I'm back and yeah. extend my career. So against my gut and against my better judgment, I end up saying, yeah, okay, I'm in. I signed the contract. So I'm off the board. 15, 20 minutes into free agency, I'm gone. Camp comes. I show up. I'm like, okay, I got to make sure. From, I, I, gotta, I always showed up in, in great shape. I had to. I couldn't skate and I wasn't that good. So if I showed up in bad shape, I fuck would have been in the East Coast League. So I always had to show up in shape. But I show up in better shape than I ever showed up. I was fucking lighter than I'd ever been. Show up to camp. Play a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not playing with Nick. But whatever. Who cares? It's preseason. It doesn't matter. And then the season starts, and I tweaked my knee at the end of the playoffs. So I was like, going to, or sorry, not playoffs, the end of training camp. So I was out for like a week. So I'm like, okay, you know, the season starts. I'm out for the first like two games or some, two or three games. They lose the first game, lose the second game, lose the third game. And I think they end up losing the first five games in a row. So I'm out for the first couple, and then I'm okay. I'm healthy. I'm not in the lineup. I'm like, okay, not a big deal. This isn't the end of the world. They're not winning, but that's okay. So, anyways, to shorten the story up, I end up getting fucking scratched basically until January 1st. And I mean, not even, it was a deal where like in practice, it was like every time it was my turn to go the second time, everybody gets to go, all the D gets to go two times through on two on ones and three on ones or three on twos, whatever. Every time it was my turn to go, cause I would always go seventh cause I'm not playing yeah. blow the whistle, blow the drill down, drills over. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And were you not fucking miserable? I, how, how didn't you lose your fucking mind before that? Well, was I miserable? Yeah. For the first, once this clued in, like probably 10 games into the season. So I'd been scratched for about six, five or six games and the team's not doing well. Like, yeah. it's not like if they're winning the games then yeah, I totally get it. Nope. Don't change the lineup. I get that. But like, we're losing. So I'm like, once it dawned, I'm like, oh my God, I go, this is fucking happening. Exactly what I thought is happening is fucking happening. And, but I was in a position where I was like, yeah, I just got bought out. It's, I'm like, man, I don't, I have zero leverage yeah. here. Like I'm fucked. What am I going to say? So actually kind of a funny story that I don't think I've told before. So this was about middle of November. So I've been scratched. Like I'm not even close to fucking playing. I didn't sit, play the fucking second half of the year in Columbus. They, I went down to the minors cause I wasn't going to play there. I basically haven't played an NHL game in a fucking year. So I'm sitting there, I'm fucking miserable for like the first three weeks. And then finally I'm like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm like, he could fucking sit me if he wants. This guy isn't going to ruin my fucking life here. So I'm like, I took on the role. And some of my best friends from hockey are, were the guys that I played a couple games with in Detroit. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to set up the parties. I'm going to be a good, I'm going to come here. I'm going to work my ass off and practice as much as I can. I'm going to run the stairs at Joe Lewis. 
and then I'm going to set the fucking parties up. That's what I'm going to do. So that's what I did. So in like middle of November, uh, we had one guy get hurt and we were kind of on the middle of a road trip or something like that. And Ian White took a puck to the face. So he's going to be out for a week. So they can't like, he was calling people up. If somebody was dinged up, he was calling people up from the minors to keep me fucking scratched. That's, that's how bad it was. That's unreal. Yeah. Like not even a chance. So we're, we're heading into St. Louis. He doesn't have time to call anybody up. He has to, he's either dressing five D or he has to play me one of the two. So he has to fucking play me. So I'm like, all right, this is my fucking chance. Like, let's get this going. So first period starts, not a shift or one shift. Maybe I think I might've played one shift in the first, no shifts in the second. Third period rolls around. I'm like, I've checked out of this game long before. I'm not even close to fucking playing. I'm the grocery stick in the middle. I'm like, this is my fucking chance. I've got one fucking ship. And it ended up working out where with two minutes left in the game, I'm sitting there like I am not involved in this game. It's a tight game. Yeah. I think it was tied. And the D coach panics. And he's like, Mike, go. I turn around I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, go. So I go to get over the boards in St. Louis, which is a tough place to play. I trip over my own feet as I'm getting on the ice. I fall flat on the ice, right at the blue line, our own blue line. I get up. I got Alex Steen coming with a huge head of steam. I'm like, holy fuck. So I back up. I'm like, strong side post, strong side post. Keep me to the outside. I keep him to the outside. He goes round back behind the net. Now, my D partner, who was out there at the time, Nicholas Cromwell, he's supposed to pick him up on the far post. Yeah. Nicholas does something else. So I'm like, now he's, he's in the other corner. I'm like, well, fuck, I can't let just let him walk out. So I cruise across. It's not my responsibility, but I got to do something. So I'm like, I'm skating over there. I'm like, I am going to put this guy through the glass. I go to fucking hit him. He stops. I trip over my own feet. I'm lucky I didn't break my neck. I fucking tripped and fell into the board so hard. I get up. I'm woozy. I'm like, oh, my God. I kind of drift back towards the net. Steam took it to the net. Jimmy Howard saves it. And the puck is now on my stick. And they've all kind of backed off. So I come around behind the net. I'm like, if I don't see somebody immediately in the middle or post it up on the wall, this fucking puck is out of here and I'm fucking changing. So I don't see anybody in the middle. There's nobody on the wall. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a little chip out, and I'm fucking changing. I go to chip the puck off the glass. The puck jumps. I shoot it 20 rows into the fucking stands, delay a game penalty. I'm like, oh, my God. So I turn away from the bench, and I'm like, I like the only thing I can really do is fucking laugh. I'm like, this is a fucking joke. So I end up sitting, and they didn't score. On the, I can't remember who won the game, but they didn't score when I was in the penalty box. We went to San Jose next, and I have a meeting with Babs, and this was like, the only time where I really thought that I, I might bottle a guy in a fucking bar. So he's like, let's meet for a beer. I'm like, Fuck, this is the last guy I want to meet for a beer yeah. with. So I sit down and it's like a five minute meeting. And basically he's like, Hey, I've made tougher decisions than this. You know, I had to sit Jerome McGinla or somebody like that in the Olympics. You know, and you're not playing. You're done. We're calling somebody else up. And he walks out of the bar. I'm like, this is a fucking, I didn't even say a word. I just sat there and I just fucking stared at him. And then that was it. I played January 1st. We had a couple injuries or something, and Ken Holland literally forced them to play me. And I ended up playing one month there. Then he scratched me for another 10 games, and then I was out of there. And that was the end of my career. I went to Tampa, played 10 games, yeah. and that was it. So that's the reason The reason why I fucking hate the guy is because he fucking lied to me. Yeah. And I went out of my way to be like, hey, dude, just be honest with me. And he fucking kept lying to me so he could end my career. Uh, but, yeah. But I will say the hatred isn't just me. Like I said, I don't want to name names. People can speak for themselves. But I know the people like you're it, talking about, and I, I wouldn't use it either if it wasn't for them. Like again, you're saying it because it's it's you, and you don't yeah. you don't mind, but you're not going to speak for anyone else. I, I know a lot no. of people don't like them, 
Um, yeah, it's it's and it's, it's like the one thing on Twitter that I get is like you know it's I wasn't really going to say anything and then I ended up a few years ago I'm like fuck this guy I don't care I don't want I don't I don't I'm not looking for a job in hockey yeah. fuck it I don't give a shit and I will say that like when I say everybody fucking hates him like in Detroit I'm talking about the front office the fucking ushers the fucking guys that work in the parking lot like he treats people fucking terribly and, and like on Twitter I get it oh yeah he was hard on you as a coach. It's like, no, I actually really enjoyed the coaches that were hard on me. Like, I didn't mind that. Yeah. It wasn't the fact that he, he wasn't even hard on me. He, he just lied to you me. He just wanted honesty. He, yeah. Just wanted honesty. But he, he literally, he treats people like fucking shit. That's why I hate him. You're, you're, you're beautiful to watch. I'll tell you that. You're beautiful to watch on Twitter. I, I look for it almost on a daily basis. But anytime, it's when Toronto lost this year. And you were so fucking oh. happy. You were just so fucking happy. I was like, I could not have been like really the only thing that I cared. Yeah. I cheer for a few buddies and stuff, but, yeah. but like on a, just a purely selfish level and I'm over it, but yeah. I'm not over this part, just this small part of it. Like the only thing I really care about is that motherfucker losing. That's it. I got nothing against the Leafs. If, if the Toronto Maple Leafs shit can Mike Babcock or when he leaves or whatever, however that ends up panning out, I'll be the first person in line to go buy a fucking Leafs jersey. I, I got nothing against Toronto. I just fucking hate yeah. that guy. And I tell you what, I couldn't even watch. I barely watched any of that series. I watched the other series, but I can't watch. It just pisses me off too much. And I'm telling you, I definitely was not. I didn't tune in. Like it seems like every time I watch the Leafs, they like score like five goals. So I'm like, I'm not watching these guys they fucking <laughs> score every time I'm watching. So I didn't watch Game Seven. I didn't check my phone. I didn't do anything. And then I walked into James Neal's house at the right after it ended. I messaged him. I'm like, dude, I'm coming over. But is that game over? He's like, yeah, it's done. I'm like, don't tell me the result. And I walked in, I'm like, give me some good news. And he's like, yeah, they lost 5-1. I'm like, thank fucking God. You talked about favorite players. Uh, tell me some of your favorite players you play with. And if you've ever had any you hated. I, I've had a couple. I probably only had like six or seven that I really didn't like. There was a couple cheap guys that would, I, they were so cheap, they'd, they'd put their car in neutral going down a fucking hill to save on gas. So that never yeah. went over well. But uh, your favorite players and if there's any guys you didn't like uh, playing with. Sure. Um God, like as far as like guys that I hated, there I, I can't. I'm sure there was a few that I disliked. I mean, like you know, you played on a lot of teams too, and I played a lot more in the minors. And so I, I ended up playing for 14 teams in 14 years. And wow. you take it all in. So, well, I mean, the kind of the fun part of that was you got to meet a bunch of different guys. So I'm sure there were some guys that I disliked. There isn't anybody that comes to mind that, that I you like, hated. No, that I didn't really hate. I mean, I had some disagreements with guys, but I wouldn't say I hated them at yeah. all. Uh, as far as cheap guys, there were, you know, I don't know if it was like this on the teams that you were on, but it seemed maybe it's just those are the ones that you remember. But it seemed like not every one of them, but a lot of the times it was the guys that made the most money that were the cheapest. Like that's what I noticed. I'm yeah. like, and it wasn't it wasn't like I didn't expect them to pay for anything by any stretch. It wasn't like oh you're making eight million bucks a year, you need to pay for everything when I'm around. I wasn't like that at all. I want to pay, pay my fair share for sure, but. Yeah, it just kind of seemed like it's like, man, it's just a taxi. Like, fucking pick up the t- it's a $20 taxi ride. Like, fuck me. I think you can afford it. Worse is when you go uh, out with like eight guys and your fucking bills, whatever. Let's say $1,500 because you had some nice wine or whatever. And the guy's like, I, I, I didn't drink wine, so I'm not putting in for that share. I'm like, come on, bro. You, you make $5 million yeah. a year. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, dude, just, just pay it. Like, who cares? It's not uh, a big deal. Guys, guys, you love playing with. You mentioned Detroit, some uh, of the guys, guys there, but. I mean, there was. There was a lot of guys I love playing with. Uh, you know, if if you want to mix like well talent in with like guys that I really love, like uh, 
Rick Nash comes to mind. I love playing with Rick Nash. I mean, I really like the crew. That was one of the reasons why I was fucking pissed off in Columbus when things didn't work out. Cause I actually really think we had a, we had a really good group of guys there. And I think we had a lot of potential. I mean, I love playing with Jared Bowl and base Jacob Borchek is another guy that comes He's to mind. He's a beauty. Oh my God. This guy is a fucking animal. He is. I uh, met him in Columbus at the all-star game and I drank with oh. him and Claude Giroud till five 30 in the morning. He was the funniest bastard I had ever met. Oh, he is hilarious and he is not scared to put him back. I was his roommate his rookie year. And, uh, you know, he's got, uh, he's an incredible player, but he's just one of those, like, and he can skate and he can, he, he can play, but he's, he was a rookie. So it was like one of the, you know, he's not going to have a body that you see on the cover of a magazine. You know, he, he, he just, he's just a little, he's, he's always going to be a little, not heavy. I don't want to call it heavy, but it's, yeah, a little fluffy, yeah. but man, the dude could move like it had nothing to do with that. So I remember the, People who run the team were always like, hey, make sure you watch what Jake eats. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will for sure. And he'd just be pounding M&Ms every night, like just destroy <laughs> the mini bar. I'm like, hey, this dude, he's not slowing down on the ice. I'm like, dude, eat whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. As long as you play good, I don't give a shit. Uh, so I loved him. As far as like going back, I mean, Scott Gomez was awesome. I'd say probably, I get this one a lot, like who's the best player you ever played with? Yeah. I would say the most talented player I ever, and I play with a bunch, so it's not a slight against any other guys whatsoever. I think the best player I ever played with was Scott Niedermeyer. I think he's the most talented player I've ever seen. The game was so easy for that guy. It was a joke. Uh, I remember when I was in, yeah, I I was in Pittsburgh and our game plan was get it in his corner and fucking go finish every check on you, you can. I go, I've played yeah. fucking 15 years against the guy. The guy doesn't get hit. I can't fucking no. catch this guy. There's no fucking chance. He's so good. Yeah. So talented. He's so good. Like when, uh, one story about Scott Niedermeyer. So my first year pro, I'm in New Jersey, and that was back before the lockout. And you could, back then, you could have, so New Jersey would hold a training camp for like, you know, guys in their entry-level contracts. And you had to be there August 1st. Training camp didn't start till fucking middle of September. You had to be there August 1st. And it was basically six weeks of two a day workouts. So by the time training camp rolls around, you're obviously in fucking great shape because you've been fucking working your ass off for six weeks, twice a day. And so anyways, that was, they had won the year before and Scott Niedermeyer and Jason Arnott were holding out. So we go through training camp. They aren't there. Then with like a day or two left in training camp, they, they both sign. I think they both have the same agent. So I'm in the best shape of my life. I think at least, well, I had to have been for sure to that point. And so they come out on the ice. And so like kind of the, the younger guys and them, they're like the, the coaches, Larry Robinson and slap the up. They're like, we're going to skate these two. And you guys are skating too. So I'm like, okay. So we get bag skated for, I don't know how long it was 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I mean, it was fucking hard, relentless fucking skating. We get done with that. I get off the ice. I'm fucking exhausted. I'm like, Holy fuck. And I mean, like, not just like my underwear and shit was wet. It was like my gloves are soaked right through. My shoulder pads are soaked right through. My my hockey pants are dripping sweat. I am complete. It would like I, if I put on all my shit and jump into a pool. That's what I was like. And I'm, I hadn't met Scott. I had never said hi. I hadn't had a chance yet. And I'm, he's sitting on the other side of the room. And he starts taking his gear off. And he takes off his shoulder pads. And that was back when they had like those kind of like light blue CCM undershirts. Yep, yep. I'm sure you had a bunch of them. I Pat, Pat Maroon, takes, by the way, still fucking wears that. Doesn't he know that it's 2019? Yeah. Like they have dry fit yeah. and shit. Like that shit's cold. That, that, that shit yeah. gets cold. I saw him on an interview the other day and I was like, why is he still fucking wearing that? Yeah, no shit. That's a great point. That's exactly what the shirts were like back in the day. That's what everybody wore. 
So Scott takes off his shoulder pads. He's just been bag skated for 45 minutes, and I'm watching him take his shoulder pads off, and he's got that light blue shirt on that shows every drop of sweat. And he's got one little trickle of sweat that goes down kind of right down the middle of his chest, goes down maybe like a – it would be like a little spritz of water on his <laughs> shirt, and that was it. And I sat there looking at him, and I'm like, this is a fucking joke. This you guy freak. is – yeah. Like skating and hockey was so easy for that guy. It was disgusting. He could have played as long as he could probably still play. To be honest, I think he probably just got bored. I think so. He had enough money. You know, he's won cops. He's done it all. Won everything. And great guy. Awesome. Awesome savant too. He, he he's a great guy. A couple more before I let you go. I thank you so sure. much, Mikey. You're you're simply awesome. Like I said, I never met you till after the game. Uh, absolutely one of my favorites. You're a beauty. Um, and what I like most, uh, opposite of Mike Babcock, you treat everyone like your best friend. When we go to these events and people all around, uh, that's what I appreciate the most. What, why why the fuck did you take up being an Uber driver? Can you please tell me that? Like, if you need the money, yeah. it's okay, buddy. Like, come on over. But the eight, eighteen million you made in Columbus and the other few million yeah, you made—it's all gone. Eh? I lost it on the golf course and at the track. It's all gone. Uh, the Uber thing was so. I mean, one of the things for me when I retired, and I think it's for a lot of guys, but you know, I retired and I, I was in Scottsdale playing golf, and I, I ended up doing that for three years. I didn't really have a plan, but. Went down there. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to golf for a while, and I know I want to do something. I don't know what's going to be next. So, anyways, retirement starts, and it's like, you know, nobody's calling you anymore. You you don't have anywhere to be the next day. I've I'm single with you know at the time. I'm well, I, I don't have any kids. I've never been married, so I have no responsibilities really, other than do whatever I want to do. And so, you know, a couple months go by, and it's like I'm golfing every day, and it's like, oh, somebody wants to have a drink on a Tuesday. Yeah, sure, why not? Fuck it, I got nothing to do. Yeah. And so this goes on for a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck, I got to change this first off. So I, I clean it up, keep it to the weekends by and large, and then down Scotts, but still going out on the weekends. And I'm like, fuck me, I don't want to sit at home because it's just me at home. But I'm tired of fucking drinking. Like, what can I do that's gonna get me out of the house, but keep me out of the bars. Yeah. So I always, I always took Uber and like the cool drivers, you know, I, I'd ask all the drivers, Hey, how do you like driving for Uber? And almost all of them are like, yeah, it's great. And then the ones that are like kind of cool, I would be like, Hey, are you know, you, you meet anybody, you meet any broads or anything when you're driving for Uber. <laughs> and a couple of them had some great stories. Yeah. Some of them were like, no, not really. But a couple of them had some good stories. So I'm like, yeah, this sounds like it's for me. So I signed up. It's super easy. And Scottsdale takes like two minutes and you're ready to go. Uh, so yeah, I started driving. I did like, I didn't do like the graveyard shift. I'm like, I got no interest in driving drunks around. So I did like the happy hour thing when people get like done work and I don't have any like great stories about broads or anything like that. Like my best opportunities, I think looking back were like my first evening of driving, but I was too nervous to do anything because I was my first time doing this. Uh, so yeah, I did it for about 70 rides. The last ride I gave, there were actually some funny rides. I picked up like a group of people from Columbus, Ohio, they ended up being from. And, you know, I was like, oh, Columbus. I'm like, uh, yeah, I used to live there. Like, oh, what'd you used to do there? I'm like, uh, you know, I was good thinking about just making something up, but I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm like, oh, I actually used to play for the Blue Jackets. And I could see them in the rear view mirror. They're like looking at each other, rolling their eyes like, yeah, right. This guy's so fucking full of shit. <laughs> and so they were like, oh, so you know Rick Nash then? I'm like, yeah, I know Rick. What about Jared Bowl? I'm like, yeah, I know Jared Bowl too. I'm like, look, I can run you through the roster if you want, or you can just look me up. I promise I'm not lying. So we had a laugh at that. One other time I ended up picking up Doug Waite, who I won a cup with in Carolina, who's a fucking other awesome guy. Uh, I ended up picking up his niece and a bunch of friends. 
totally randomly. So that was kind of funny. But the last <laughs> ride I did, I made a mistake. I, uh, I drove on Halloween, which I know Halloween can definitely get messy, but I thought I was driving early enough and it was on like a Tuesday night. So yeah. I'm like, ah, it shouldn't be too bad. And I was going to go home and my phone buzzed one more time. So I went to go pick up some dude named Phil and pull up to this house. It's, it's like six o'clock at night. Maybe it's not late at all. And I'm kind of sitting there waiting and you know, you're supposed to wait for two minutes, then you can leave and you can collect five bucks, but I had nothing to do anyway. So I'm like, I'm just sitting there. So I ended up waiting for like 25, 30 minutes. Bill comes out, Bill's drunk. He's like, Oh, we'll be right out. I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. Take your time. Not a big deal. Him and his buddy come out with a girl that like literally, you know, when you know, the people in the football field get like knocked out and they got their arms over their buddies there to, they have to get carried off the field. She was like that, like completely gone. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So it was her and her boyfriend and Phil and his girlfriend. They get in the car. Phil thinks it's funny. I'm like, hey, Phil, I go, you better have a fucking bag on you. I know you think this is funny and you've had a few drinks and it's a good thing you're not driving. I'm like, if that girl fucking pukes in my car, you and I are going to have a huge issue. Take care of her. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of got a little serious. He's like, okay, yeah, for sure. No problem. I don't even get the thing in drive. And this girl starts screaming about how she's going to piss her pants. So I'm like, Phil, get her out. So they pull her out. She pisses right in the middle of the street. We get her (laughs) back in. She's crying and yelling about her dad. I'm like, oh, my God. And thank God I was only going like three or four miles to give him a ride home. So I got them out of the car. Nothing happened. My car was good. But that was it. I kind of went home. And I'm like, you know what? If I want to stay out of the bar, I'm just going to stay at home from now. And that was the end of the Uber. You're good. Then it was done. Uh, last one before I let you go. And, and Mike Smith, who I talked to today from Sauce Hockey, was uh, gracious enough to give us a code, a discount code, um, MB Unfiltered, nice. uh, to save 30%. So anyone that is listening can go there uh, to saucehockey.com and and uh, outfit themselves. But uh, how, how'd you get involved in that? It's, it's again, uh, your legend grows, but the T-shirts, and I always see the tweets, and I was actually in Nashville um, with my girlfriend uh, last year, and I saw a bunch of people come in to the bar. A bunch of them had all your T-shirts on a, on a bachelor <laughs> party. It was pretty, pretty fucking funny. How, how'd you get involved in that? And um, are, are you involved in day-to-day operations, or it's just uh, your kind of... Uh, your logo out there essentially. Yeah. It, well, it happened. It kind of, I told a story once on a podcast and I just said a Russian story and I just said I was in one and basically in one just means having a few drinks. You I mean, it, I guess you could take it a whole bunch of different ways, but having a drink with your buddies would be about the easiest way. Maybe having a few too many. Anyways, I told that story. I said I was in one and kind of caught a little fire on Twitter or whatever. So I'm like, Oh, people kind of like this shit. So I threw a hashtag in front of it and, and off we went. Uh, the t-shirts were just sauce hockey contacted me and they were like, Hey, you want to make some t-shirts? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, sounds good. Like, what's the deal? I'm not giving you any money. And they're like, no, 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 no. We just want your permission and let's make some shirts. I'm like, okay. So sauce hockey has been awesome to deal with. Um, as far as the day-to-day stuff, I'm not involved. I am in, I, I, being totally honest. They run nine other than they will send me designs. They'll ask me what I think. And I'll be like, yeah, I think that's awesome. Or, you know, on some of the shirts, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like a couple of them, I'm like, ah, I've never really said that. So let's not go there. But 90% of the stuff they send me is awesome. And I'm like, yeah, go go right ahead. So I just basically kind of give the final final kind of go ahead, I guess. And, and that would be it. And they take care of it from there. But yeah, it's been a fun thing. It's kind of, 
Yeah. I mean, I've ran into a couple people like out and about that have the shirts on and I laugh. I've taken a couple pictures with a few people and it, for me, it, it, it's just a fun thing. Yeah. Um, but actually I am going to be coming out the same logo. Uh, I'll be coming out with some vodka, hopefully by July 1st. So we're going to see how that goes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to get some of it and drink some. My, my favorite is oh, when yeah. people are getting in one, whatever city they are, and they they tweeted. Do you remember the people, too, we saw? Uh, I think it was in Edmonton that time as well that were in the bar, and they all had your, your shirts on, which I thought was very comical. I but do when, remember that. When, when people are out and they send you stuff and you just say floor it, and then it's fucking great. People, yeah. people, people, people absolutely love it. Well, thank you for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it. I know it's, uh, we went on a long time, but... I uh, really appreciate I know the people out there appreciate your stories. I heard a couple that I've never heard, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm going to see you actually at uh, coming in for the Stampede for the first time. So That's right. Yeah, a girlfriend right, and I. That's first Stampede, com- right, if I remember correctly? Yeah, i got to get a T-shirt. Oh. I'll, I'm going to be on sauce. I'm going to get some shit because I definitely got to yeah. wear it there and get uh, get the pick with you. But, yeah, we'll have a good time. We'll, we'll have a good time. Yeah, we will have a good time, and we will definitely be in one at the Stampede. <laughs> that I can guarantee. I, I can... And thanks a lot for having me on, Barney. I appreciate it. You're a great dude. I'm glad I met you on the circuit there a couple of years ago. Uh, thanks a lot for having me on, man. You're an awesome, dude. Cheers, brother. Have a great day. All right, man. Thanks. That's Mike Commodore, drafted second round by the Devils, played at North Dakota, NHL veteran, 483 games. Uh he is a Twitter sensation. Uh, he is really, uh, I want to say, the face of Sauce Hockey. Obviously, they do all the work, but um, they have so many great lines on there. Uh, but the in one is 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 legendary, and seeing people out and about uh, everywhere. I mean, everywhere in the world, sending him so many pictures and uh, the way he engages with with fans it, it it started out as a joke and it's still funny uh but it's actually become so big that i absolutely love it so go to sauce hockey in this episode uh matt barnaby unfiltered is brought to you by sauce hockey we all know that hockey is more than just a game it's a culture and a way of life the best players carry that swagger off the ice and are definitely known to have a bit of fun in the process Sauce Hockey has a full line of apparel that tells the hockey story from every level. So whether you're a savvy veteran that has been around the block or a local legend playing beer league with the boys, Sauce Hockey has the threads for you. Sauce has the sickest lids around to make your summer flow pop. And they even got you covered in the polo department. Their t-shirts are softer than puppy ears and feature fresh designs that will definitely help your off-ice plus minus if you catch my drift. To make matters even better the beauties over at sauce hockey are giving us an exclusive 30 percent off with discount code mb unfiltered you heard that right 30 percent off with the discount code mb unfiltered so make sure to head over to saucehockey.com to get in one and take advantage of 30 percent off by using code mb unfiltered that's s-a-u-c-e hockey.com code mb unfiltered thank you to them thank you to all the boys over there want to thank again uh commie uh awesome awesome dude awesome awesome dude uh, I, I can read you his stats again but it doesn't matter because what i like most about mike commodore is the person that he is and the way that he treats people I love the babcock stories i mean absolutely love it and he opens up and tells you the way it is um 
but just just, just a great human being, a, a really really good human being. Want to thank Shane Sini, who paid me my two hundred fifty dollars for his fucking stupid bet, moronic bet that he came through and laid on the line, but he did pay quickly. So I love that. Thank him for coming on the podcast and talking about his Leafs getting smashed by Boston. And as we speak, it looks like St. Louis will be moving on to the Stanley Cup final. Something I did predict, by the way. They were my sleeper pick at the start of the year, but I sold them like Nortel stock back in the day. This team was struggling and found a way to get it done. 3-1 with only minutes left in the game. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Matt Barnaby Unfiltered. Hope you enjoyed all the stories as much as I did. And next time uh, we talk, uh, we will have our Stanley Cup final predictions on their way. Have a great day and uh, peace out. I-, I think this is actually really fitting as well. My quote of the day today, and this is this is for Kami. This is this is for my boy. Batteries and buttholes, two things we shouldn't put our tongues on, but we still do. Men are smart, aren't we? Cheers. Have a great day.